You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. As well, we've been talking about some of the values that we have and such values as inviting people to church. Uh, telling them, you know, we want to change our community. We're not just about less us having like a nice time. We want to have long arms that reach out to touch our community. Karen and I were riding the, um, the Lewis Georgetown bike trail yesterday. We did a 16-mile ride. I was so proud of Karen. She was doing so good, and uh, she drugged me into the finish line. You know, she did so good. But we stopped at one of the little rest stops, and we got to talk to a couple that moved here from Connecticut. They've been here for four months, and uh, had a great conversation with them. The only downside is they've tried Grotto's Pizza and the husband doesn't like Grotto's Pizza. We don't understand that, but that's something they're going through. Hope they'll work it out. But, uh, but we got to talk to them about coming to church. And, uh, you know, we want to meet people in our community. There's so many new people coming. Make sure you have conversations with people and invite them to Bayshore to join you at church. And so we do that all the time. We just love our church. <clears throat> and we talked about the importance of being discipled and grow in our faith. We're not just simply waiting to go to heaven. This is not a waiting room. This is a a place of transformation. We want to become more Christ-like, and that's what our vision is for Bayshore. For you to bring people to come to church, not simply for them to get saved. Of course, if they don't know the Lord, we want them to know the Lord, but we want them to go beyond that to come to a place of discipleship where they grow. We said that three times, three times in the New Testament, the word Christian is used. But 269 times the word disciple is used. A disciple is a learner, someone that's learning. It's the word mathetes. It means to learn. It means to grow. So we've been talking about that and um, talked about small groups last week. We're getting ready to launch our small groups for the fall. So that was last week. This morning, we're going to talk about another foundational principle of Bayshore value. We're going to be talking this morning about stewardship and giving. Stewardship and giving. That's one of the values of Bayshore. One of the things that we believe in as we grow in our faith, as we become more uh, like Jesus, as we're discipled, part of what we do in that process is become uh, stewards of the finances that God has given us. And so this morning we want to talk about stewardship. And I hope this is a good sermon on giving. I saw this cartoon uh, a while back about a good sermon on giving. I don't know if we got it for the screen here, but uh, you know this is uh, what we're after here. I don't know if we got it on this screen yet. There you go. So this is the best sermon I've ever heard on giving, the deacon says to the pastor. So I'm not sure I'm to do that good today, but I'm going to try, you know. Let me give you a definition of what stewardship is. So maybe if you're not familiar with that term, this is a term that I think is really, really important for us to learn in our, in our growth as disciples of Jesus. Stewardship is defined as someone that financially gives to a church or ministry a percentage of their income on a systematic basis. Stewardship is defined as someone that financially gives to a church or ministry a percentage of their income on a systematic basis. Now, that is, you know, what stewardship is. It's understanding, you know, that what we have, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It says that in Psalms. So it's a paradigm shift where we look at the things that we have, not simply as our things that we've earned. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, it's the Lord that gives us power to get wealth. 
So if we understand that God is a God who gives us the power to get wealth, then we look at what we have that we really are stewards of the things that God has given us. So that's an important thing. So I want to begin this morning by not challenging you if you're not giving. I don't want to, like, that's not where I want to start today. I want to start with gratitude because I want to start because I, with this idea that there are people in this room and there's people at Fenwick Island right now that you are stewards of your money and you give faithfully to Bayshore on a regular basis. You have that vision in your heart. So instead of like saying, you know, go right into the challenge part of this message, I want to begin with gratitude because you guys are really being used by the Lord to help us reach our community. All of us together are doing this. So I just want to say a big, big thank you that you're doing incredible. Everybody at Famic Island, everybody here, there is an incredible uh, sense of stewardship in our church already. And I believe, I believe very much in showing gratitude for what people do. I think that's such an important thing. I was uh, having uh, uh, breakfast a couple weeks ago with some of my tennis buddies at arenas in Lewis, uh, Five Point there, and we were having breakfast, and it was one of the the guys had had a birthday, so we always go out on each other's birthdays, and uh, generally what we do is we all split the check, and the guys whose birthday it is, we buy his breakfast. And so this, uh, this couple weeks ago, we were eating at marinas, arenas, uh, one of the guys grabbed the check and paid for everybody, everybody. And I was like, we, that's never happened before. We've been doing that for having these breakfasts for about 10 years, and nobody's ever paid for everybody's breakfast. I was overflowing with gratitude, and I ordered a couple things to go. You know, I wanted to make sure <laughs> that I was able to maximize that. But I was so, so thankful, and I told this guy profusely how thankful I was. I believe in showing gratitude. Now, every once in a while, I offer to pay for everybody's meal, but I move really slow toward grabbing the check. You don't want to go too fast. You want to like kind of make it real gradual so other people can interrupt you, and then you back off. Don't grab it quickly. <laughs> but I believe in gratitude, being grateful, and uh, my son, Joel, for Father's Day, you know, I've recently discovered, I love coffee, all kinds of coffee. I re- recently discovered Brazilian dark roast coffee at uh, Rural Farms, and they got the fresh ground beans and really, really wonderful. So Joel gave me a really, I think it was like $40 gift card for uh, Father's Day for Rural Farms gift card. So my first cup of coffee, I showed Joel and thanked him for that because I believe that we really should be grateful for the things that people do for us. In fact, when you're grateful, people have a tendency to do more things for you. That's a good thing. And so it's important for us to start there. How many ever let somebody in when you're you know, going you know, down the highway and there's a merge and you let somebody in? How many, how many occasionally do that? Isn't that a good thing? And how many have ever been let in? Somebody lets you in. And I, man, I tell you what, when that happens, I just wave my hands. Thank you, Mr. New Jersey. I'm so thankful for you. And uh, just so grateful for that. That's a great thing. Uh, and I'm a one-car One car grace person, I let one person in. The other person looking at me with tears in their eyes want me to let him in. I let one person in. But I expect that obligatory wave. How many expect that? If you don't get that, you're on their bumper with a horn. I mean, really, what that's about, I don't understand that. But we need to be grateful. So I start this message on stewardship 
with gratitude because you are giving. You are giving. Listen to this. Here's a little stat for you. Millsburg campus. Millsburg campus is $53,717.10 more than last year already. Meaning... Meaning that we have $53,000, almost $54,000 more at this point in the year than last year we had all the way to the end. And we got another quarter to go. So you guys are giving. You, are, you love what God's doing in this church and you're giving and you're being faithful to that. Listen to this, Fenwick Island. Everybody at Fenwick Island, I want you to listen to this. You are $49,460.88 more than last year already. Already that campus has given uh, $49,000 more at this point than they did all of last year. So you guys are giving, you're giving incredible. Here's some other figures for you. Millsboro, in the, since 2020, uh, 2022 began, we have 43 brand new givers, 43 brand new givers that started coming to Bayshore, and we have 43 new families that are giving systematically to Bayshore, 43 new families since January. Fenwick Island has 35 brand new giving families since January, and I think we should celebrate that together. Isn't that wonderful? little interesting thing, maybe this is your interest in some stats. The percentage of people that give online, Millsboro has 27%, our campus. Now, I don't have the Rehoboth figures because I'm not speaking to them this morning. But Millsboro has uh, 27% that give online. Now, Fenwick Island has, listen to this, this is interesting. Everybody at Fenwick Island, you have 52% of people that give online. So half of the people at Fenwick Island give online, 27% here at Millsboro. Now, I don't know why that is. I, how many think that we are just as technically savvy as the people in Fenwick Island? Just raise your hand if this is your campus now. we got to learn how to run that kiosk. We've moved it around now. It's there in your face. We have one that follows you around when you're leaving. But uh, that's interesting. So 52% Fenwick Island give online, and I'm sure the Rehoboth is very high as well. In person, people at Millsboro, 60% of the people that give, give in person. So we're grateful for that. 37% in Fenwick Island give in person. By mail, Millsboro has 13% to give on, uh, in the mail, and then Fenwick, 11%. So anyhow, people are giving here at Bayshore, and we're so grateful for that, and that's an important thing. So I just want to begin from... The, uh, from, uh, my, uh, from our staff here, from our board of directors to say thank you for your giving. And that's very biblical. Now, in the book of Philippians, uh, if you've ever read the book of Philippians, Philippians is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. It's a great, upbeat book. But that book, if you've read the book of Philippians, that book was written as a thank you letter from Paul to the people of Philippi that supported his ministry. So when you look at the New Testament, there's this incredible sense of gratitude. And so many times you go to church and the church is, you know, when they talk about giving, everybody's on defense because, you know, it's just like you ought to do, you ought to do, you ought to do. And of course, there's a place for challenge. But Paul wrote to thank the people. If you read the book of Philippians, you know, there's great stuff in there. Chapter 2 is about, you know, how Christ emptied himself of his glory to become a servant and die for sins. But the book was written 
as a thank you note. Thank you for your giving. And here's what Paul said to them. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Let me just stop right there. Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that last year you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, uh, now here's the deal. Paul is in Rome and he's in jail. He's in Rome and he's in jail. And these people are in Philippi. And Paul said, you've renewed your concern, but you didn't have any opportunity to show it before now. Because Rome is 4,000. 608 miles from Philippi. And just think about in those days, you couldn't send money. You couldn't pick up your smartphone. You couldn't transfer money. The only way to get money to help somebody is you had to deliver it by hand. So they sent this guy named Epaphroditus from Philippi. Epaphroditus takes this money from the Philippians and he takes it to Paul, who's in prison. Paul needs to be cared for and all that. And he's still preaching the gospel in, in, uh, in Rome. And so they gave him a, a financial gift. So Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned this content, be to content with whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in uh, plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that verse, by the way, is not a verse where if I try really hard and I can claim I'm going to win the Olympics. That verse verse is about endurance. Paul said that I can hang in there even though I've been going through a hard time. God will give me the strength. And so many times we misquote that verse. But let me just say this to you. This is not in the sermons, not in the notes. If you are going through a hard time right now, if you're under stress and you're going through a great difficulty, the word of the Lord to you this morning is that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You have the power, you have the capacity, you have the ability to endure and get through what you're going through. Can you say a big amen? That's just a side sermon. Now here we go. He says, yet, in verse 14, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that you, more may be credited to your account. I receive full payment and have more than enough and when he says, I have received full payment, he's saying, I have received from Epaphroditus the money that you sent. I've received full payment. And, uh, and then he says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he says, and my God, listen to this. How many have ever heard this verse before? And my God will meet all your needs according to your riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's, you know, when you hear that word, um, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, what is the context for that? The context in the chapter, the context in the book, is that they have been giving, investing in Paul, and then Paul ends it by saying, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, the Fed chairman this, chairman this week uh, Jerome Powell said that uh, inflation is up 
uh, is higher than it's been in 40 years. He said that they're, we're going to hold the interest rates up for a while to try to get this inflation under control and uh, all of that. And thank God gas prices are coming down a little bit, and we're all grateful for that. Let me just tell you something. God will meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We live, Christian people live in a different paradigm. The paradigm we live in, we get educated, we work hard, we make investments, we do everything we're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, when we unfurl our sail economically, the wind of God blows in it and he moves us forward because he gives us his favor. Can you say a big amen? So God is going to take care of your needs. Say it with me. God is going to take care of all my needs. Everybody at Famic Island, say it with me. My God is going to take care of all my needs. Did you hear him? That was amazing. You guys, that was so incredible. So Paul begins by thanksgiving. Uh, and so I begin this sermon by saying thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being faithful. And uh, Paul says in Philippians 2.25, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier who's also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So when you read the book of Philippians about giving, the book of Philippians is about money given and a thank you note in return. So that's the first part of this message. Now let me talk to you a little bit about, uh, about uh, giving. What is the motivation to be forgiving? What is the motivation to be forgiving? Three possibilities of the motivation for giving. The first motivation could be obligation. Obligation. Sometimes people give out of obligation, you know, and guilt and a sense of I ought to. Now, I'm just here to say that, you know, I've heard a lot of sermons and I was raised in church and I heard Malachi preached on and all that. I get all that. You know, will a man rob God? I've heard all of those sermons and I, I appreciate the book of Malachi and all that. But I'm just not sure in the new covenant that that's to be the mode, the mode of operation we operate in, that we give out of obligation. I think we don't give out of obligation. I think we give out of joy and celebration. Now, obligation is the lowest form of giving. When you give out of obligation, you know, gosh, I ought to, I should, I wish I, you know, I ought to do this, ought to do that. And uh, obligation is not the motivation we're supposed to have. Here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give. Now, let's just start, stop there. Each of you should give. Everybody is called to stewardship, not just some of us. You know, there, are, there is the gift of giving in the Romans 12. There are people that have the gift of giving. Those are people that have the capacity to make a lot of money, and they're a blessing to the kingdom of God, and that's a wonderful uh, gift. That, but everybody is called to be a stewardship, do a steward of their resources. Each of you should give. Then he says, what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each of you should give comprehensive what you have decided in your heart to give. You and God wrestle that out, pray about it, let the Lord speak to you about the percentage you should give, how you should give. Uh, I, I was listening to uh, Henry Cloud this week. He said this motivational speaker he used to speak with would, would start out by having his audiences raise their hand as high as they can in the air, and they would go stretch as far as he could, and then he would say, uh, now stretch two more inches. And uh, he said that's how he always started his speeches. 
And, and God will stretch us sometimes. God will speak to us. And so you say, Lord, what am I supposed to give? What, is, what am I supposed to be giving? And it's it, it, what you have decided in your heart. What you have decided in your heart. What the Lord has spoken to you about. And so get before the Lord and ask the Lord to help you with that. Not reluctantly. Not reluctantly. The word reluctant there is the word to be filled with grief or sorrow. To be filled with grief or sorrow. Not to give out of grief or sorrow. Good night, i got to do this. The pastor says I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to tithe. And you want you, get, you put the money in there. You wish you didn't have it. You wanted to have it back. I grew up in a church where they passed the offering plate and people made change in the offering plate. <laughs> now, some of you grew up in a church like that. The Methodist church I grew up in, they passed the offering plate. People put a $5 bill in. They're making change. Listen, if you make change in an offering plate here, you could get arrested in this church for that. <laughs> But they were like, they were filled with grief and sorrow. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly. Don't be a reluctant giver. I was, Karen and I were going to see our kids on uh, July 4th this year. We had a, you know, cookout and homemade ice cream and a fireworks, our own fireworks and all that. And I was coming through Dragsboro. And, uh, you know, when you come out of Daxborough on 26, you know, uh, and you're coming out of town, that 25-mile speed limit goes a long time. I mean, too long in my opinion. And I didn't realize that I was beyond the, you know, I, I just, you know, when I got what I thought was out of Daxborough, which is, doesn't take long, by the way, you know, I ratcheted it up. I was going 44 miles an hour, and a cop turned the disco lights on and pulled me off to the side. And he did the cock walk, and he came up there, and he said, you, you were going a 44 in a 25-mile, in a you know. And he said, yeah, that's pretty high, and that, you know, that would be pretty significant. And so he you know, said, I'm going to knock it down to 8. And he went back to the car you know, to fill out the paperwork. Have you ever noticed when you get stopped, everybody you've ever known in the world rides by? How many of you notice that? I mean, really. They're riding by and they're like, everybody, you know, is that Pastor Danny? I got stopped years ago going through, I didn't mean to run a red light. There was a cop, not a cop, but a, there was a truck in front of me blocking the light I thought was still green. And I got stopped and I got pulled over right by Wawa up here. And I'm telling you, that guy pulled me over and I thought he went back to do the paperwork. I thought he was upholstering his car back there. I mean, he took forever. But he gave me uh, the Dagsboro guy, you know, and they do a wonderful job, and I love our cops, and he gave me a fine. I thought it was Independence Day, but it really wasn't, I guess. But um, uh, $105, $105 to go 44. And believe me, I, I go really slow through Dagsboro now, really slow. But I tell you, when I paid that $105 fine, it was the worst feeling in the world because it's just like, might as well just take the money in the backyard and burn it in the yard. How many felt that way? They just, oh, I hated it. $100, what could I have done with $100? You know, I could have got not a really new racket, but I could have put it toward a new tennis racket. I mean, really, it was terrible. But see, when you give to the Lord, if you give reluctantly, and you give out a sorrow and grief, God is not pleased with that offering. God doesn't want you to give out of grief, out of sorrow, out of sadness, 
And he says, not under compulsion. The word compulsion there is with your arm being twisted. It means to be forcefully forced to give. And we've been in services like that. You know, you probably, if you've been a church person, you've been in services where you feel you were under compulsion, compulsion to give. And televangelists get on there and talk, tell their sad story, and you feel under guilt. God is not pleased with that attitude. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a, a person when they give that they are filled with joy. They're filled with excitement. They're filled with incredible uh, euphoria because they're giving to their king. They love the Lord, and the Lord has done something great in their life. And the reason the Philippians gave to Paul is because Paul, his preaching and the teaching of the word had changed their life. They met Jesus. They were lost, and they gave out of joy. They were so grateful for what Paul had done for them. They were so grateful that through Paul they had heard the gospel. They were so grateful that they had met Jesus. Their life was different because Paul preached them. And when they gave, it was like, whoa, boy, we're just excited to give. I was at the Bethany Bandstand uh, concert worship night we had a few weeks ago, and I was enjoying it. just had a great time. Our band did such a great job, Corey and everybody, and uh, everybody from the Femke Island campus, and then we had people that helped at the Rehoboth campus. It was such a great night. But th from the Femke Island campus, this guy named Jack came up to me, and uh, it was one of the intermissions, and Jack's a medical student, and Jack, if you're at Femke Island, you remember our conversation. Uh, Jack came up to me, and he said, he said, Pastor Danny, I just want you to know that I, I tell you what, Bayshore, Felk Island has changed my life. He said, I've, I've met the Lord. You know, he was kind of maybe away from the Lord a little bit, and the Lord's rekindled his faith, and he was just filled with gratitude. And that is the spirit of giving. That is the spirit of giving. How many of you that are Christ followers, now there are people here today that are seeking the Lord and you're still processing all this, but if you're a Christ follower, if Jesus has changed your life and you're excited about that, would you say a rousing amen right now? Amen. That's awesome and that's incredible. So each of you should give not under compulsion or under pressure, but God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the word, you've heard this, I'm sure if you've been in church, it's, it's the hilarious is the word where I guess we get the word hilarious from. And it, it means to be cheerful. It needs to be happy. So when you give, it means cheerful, joyous, prompt to do anything, propitious, which means to, to have favor to do something, or merry, prompt or willing or cheerful. So God loves a cheerful giver. I was, Karen and I were in uh, Orlando a number of years ago, and we were, uh, I, I think we were down there for something. I can't remember what we were there for, but we thought, hey, we got a couple of days, let's go to Disney, extra days. And so we were at this motel, and they, um, they were, uh, you know, we, we were going to go to Disney the next day. And they were, had this little thing there, a little ad that said, listen, if you come for 45-minute timeshare deal, we'll give you free Disney tickets. <laughs> 45 minutes. I said to Karen, 45 minutes. That's got to be the Lord. 45 minutes, free Disney tickets? I mean, that's got to be the Lord. I mean, two hours later, you know, I was, you know, in a chair with a light bulb over my head, a guy walking around me, you know, trying to get me to buy this time chair. And if you've got a time chair, I'm all about it for you. It's wonderful. I just told the guy, I said, listen, I'd like to put my money in the bank and I'll go and get Verbo and I'll go wherever I want to. That didn't make any sense to him at all. But anyhow, that's what was, I thought. But it was just a terrible experience. And will I ever do a timeshare thing again? And if you've got a timeshare, God bless you. Please share a week with me. I'm grateful for you. <laughs> but I will never do that again. It was awful. 
pressure, 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 pressure. How many hate to be pressured? I hate that. God wants people to be a cheerful giver. And Paul said one of the motivations that people give is out of obligation. And obligation is the lowest form of giving. Here's another thing I'll tell you. I'm almost out of time. i got two more points. Um, another thing about obligation. When you give out of obligation, if you do anything out of obligation, it's not sustainable. When you do something out of guilt, you'll do it for a little while. But then you, you'll quit it. But when you do something out of love, it's sustainable. And you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. So obligation is the lowest form of, of giving, and it's, the, it's, not, it's, it's not the right attitude. Now let me give you one more. Uh, we got two more to do, but we'll do through these real quick. Uh, another motivation for giving is giving for reward. Giving for reward. If I give, I will get blessed back. Giving for reward. Now we've all heard the televangelist that says if you give $100 you'll get $1,000 back. If you give $100, and I'm not going to name a name, but there was a guy from Dallas one time. I mean, he looked in the screen. He said, if you give $100 in the next hour, you'll get $1,000 back. And uh, we've seen that. And that's, that's, that's not called anointing. That's called manipulation. Don't be manipulated. And that's the very thing Paul was against. So I, we've seen that kind of thing. We've seen the National Lampoon, Chevy Chase, uh, Cousin Eddie. Remember Cousin Eddie? Cousin Eddie said, you know, he's living in the travel trailer or living in the RV because he gave that money to that TV preacher and he lost all his money and he's living in the RV. So we've seen that. That's the deal. So do, can you give for reward? Now here's that we have to watch. We have to make sure that we don't throw the, bath the baby out with the bathwater on this. Because there is a principle, a principle in Scripture, that when you give, God blesses you back. Now, I've heard the academic scholars try to poo-poo this and all that, but when you look honestly at the Word, there are places where it says that if you give, you're giving, God blesses you in return. Here's what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. Remember this. Paul's talking about giving. There's uh, famine relief needing in Jerusalem, and he's talking to the Corinthians. He said in verse 6 of no, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And Paul is talking to them about, you know, how much should they give. And the next verse is when he says, each of you should give what you decided in your heart. We've already covered that verse. But before that, he says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if you give generously, if you're a generous giver, if you are generous with your resources, not how much do I have to give and, and, you know, and that bad feeling inside giving out of guilt, but if you are filled with gratitude and God blesses you and you give generously, the scriptures say you will reap generously. So there's a principle. Now, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about in the natural realm sowing. Uh, and, and if you sow in the natural realm, Paul's using an agricultural term here, which probably in the ancient world people knew that. Here's an ear of corn here. Now, if you, you know, uh, those of us that live in Sussex County, you know what a stalk of corn is. How many know what a stalk of corn is? Let's make sure we're on the same page here. Stalk of corn. Okay, stalk of corn. You know how you get a stalk of corn? How you get a stalk of corn is you take one of these kernels, one of them. You put one of these kernels. 
in the ground and you water it and then you get a stalk of corn and some stalks have two ears and some of them have one ears. I was talking to one of our farmers. They said a lot of the farmers prefer to have one ear. That's why they plant the plants close together because one ear is bigger than two little ears. So you put one, one kernel of corn in the ground. What do you get? You get a stalk of corn and then you get one of these. So one produces this. How many kernels are on this, this ear of corn? I don't know if you have any idea at all, but here's the deal. I count them. <laughs> this is my life. I count corn. You know, when you're desperate for a sermon illustration, you'll do anything. So, so I counted them. There's 740 kernels of corn on his ear. 740 from one kernel of corn. That's amazing. There is a, there, this is actually supernatural. When you give, God gives you back more than you get. When, I got, when Karen and I got married, we were poor. We were poor. I'm not poor anymore. I, we were poor. We were so poor when we got married that the preacher gave us money after the wedding. <laughs> that is no lie. And we made $120 a week. Or, well, we made a little more than that before we went to Bob College. We made $120 a week. And we used the, the model, the Old Testament model, which is not a law. It's later under the law, but it precedes the law, the, the tithe thing. That means tenth. We did. That was the model we used. And so we gave, you know, when we made $120 in Pensacola, when we were in Bible College, we gave $12 to the church, $12 to church, $12 to church every week. We just gave it in the offering plate. And the Lord, you put... You put in, and you end up with more. Now, there's rich people that don't know Jesus and don't tithe and all of that, and, and they are, here's the thing, those people are rowing their boat as hard as they can, and God, there's a lot of principles to prosperity. One of the principles is hard work. One of the principles is investment. One of the principles is risk-taking. But there is another principle that you and I can do all of those things, but when you have God with you, helping you in your finances, helping you with your investments. And you give, and it's like putting up the sail, and the wind blows in the sail, and you're being blessed. So, you know, when I hear, you know, Jerome Powell say inflation's up 40%, I say, man, go think about that. Think about that politically, my, myself, just me. I'm just going to think about all that. That's important to me. But at the end of the day, he can say it's 60%. He can say it's 80%. He can say it's 100%. I can just tell you this. I got my sale up before the Lord. I'm giving to the Lord. I'm putting corn in the ground, and I'm getting more back because when you put a little bit in, you get more back than you give. And I think it was, who was it that said you can't outgive God? Somebody said that. I think it was, you know, somebody said Rick Warren said that. I don't know who said it. But you cannot outgive God. How about tomatoes? He put a tomato. This is my neighbor's tomato. I went over and got one of his tomatoes last night. He was there when I got it. I told him, I, was, I said, can I have one of your tomatoes? You know, you put, you, you ever seen a, here's a tomato seed. Put a tomato seed. Here's a picture of tomato seed. Tomato seed. We got a tomato seed picture here, I think. Tomato seeds are just tiny, tiny things. And if you, if you plant a tomato seed, you end up with a tomato plant. And here's, here's the deal. Here's what they say. 
If you plant a tomato seed, you get a tomato plant. And the tomato plant, an average tomato plant, produces 10 to 30 pounds of tomatoes. Depending on the size of the tomatoes, this can be roughly 20 to 90 tomatoes from a single plant. 20 to 90 tomatoes from a little seed. There is a supernatural principle in the natural world that has a carryover in the spiritual world. And I believe that. So, and I got a bunch of scriptures. Let me read you, and I'm out of time, but let me read a couple more things for you real quickly. Uh, let's, let's read something that, um, uh, let's read Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Everybody look at this. Why don't you read it with me out loud? We haven't done that in a while. Put it on the screen. Proverbs uh, 3, 9, and 10. Okay, everybody ready on the count of three? Let's read it together. Everybody, everybody ready? Let's read it together. Count of three. One, two, three. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you. This is Jesus himself. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then it says in Genesis 26, 12, Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Because the Lord blessed him. Not just because he was a good farmer, because the Lord blessed him. So the last motive to give. Now, I, I don't know if I answered your question, is it okay to give with a motive for reward? I'm not sure that that's the best, highest motive to give, but you recognize a principle that's there. The final and the best, highest motive is give out of love. Give out of love. Giving should be motivated by love. In John chapter 12, it says that the Mary, the sister of Martha, uh, Jesus came to their house and Mary took a pint and a pure nard of expensive perfume and broke it and poured it on the feet of Jesus. And, it's, and Judas objected, boy, this could have been sold for a year's wages. So she took a big amount of resources and she poured it on the feet of Jesus because she loved him. Giving should be motivated by love, love for Jesus and love for other people. Love for Jesus and love for other people. Every year at Christmas time, um, you know, I get, uh, you know, I, I get a pile of money from, uh, I get some cash, get some extra cash. Um, the church gives the staff some bonuses, and I get a little bonus, and, uh, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm always so grateful for that. I take my whole bonus every year, and I spend my bonus on Karen for Christmas shopping. And, uh, you know, I don't do any Christmas shopping except for Karen. She gets everybody else. I, I, I'll order something on Amazon for her. I don't know what those kids want. I don't know what those grandkids want. I don't know about that. I just say, I bless you in Jesus' name. Go for it. <laughs> but I take all my bonus money, and I go Christmas shopping for her. And I always spend more than my bonus money. And I sit in the car. Black Friday or that week after Black Friday, and I pray. I said, Lord, I love my wife. I want to I make her happy. I want her to have the best Christmas she's ever had. Guide me, direct me to help me to buy some really cool stuff for her. 
And I go in, and I'm telling you what, I'm so excited. I don't even like to shop. I hate shopping on Christmas. Shopping for Karen, I'm into it because I love her. And I'm shopping. And, and the sales lady, they say, you're buying stuff for your husband or for your wife, not your husband. That's a whole different sermon. <laughs> you're, buying, you're buying stuff for your wife? And they all get a mean look on their face. Why is my husband not doing that for me? And I mean, these ladies, I'm married, ladies, I'm married. Here, they're, they're like, and I tell you what, I love it. I buy stuff for her because I want to see her smile on Christmas morning. I got a picture of Karen. Isn't that a great picture of Karen? I want her to smile. Last year, I was, spent all my money, and I, and I walked by this store, and I saw roller skates. And, I, and, and Karen used to be a roller skater, and I thought, man, this would be cool. She would never expect roller skates. So I got her a pair of these really nice roller skates, and she opened them on Christmas morning. She could not believe it. We took them back. She didn't like them. But anyhow, I was... <laughs> Giving is a joy when it's motivated by love. God says... I don't want you to give under compulsion. I don't want you to give under, you know, stress and sorrow. God loves a cheerful giver because love is what motivates giving. That's what love is supposed to do. When I was in Bible college, my granddad, he was a, a farmer and we had a little 60 acre farm and uh, he used to collect these 50 cent pieces in a coffee can and he would, that was his thing. He would pour them out on the table and he would look at all these 50 cent pieces and what year they were and that was his hobby and he kept them in a little hutch behind the chair he sat in and Karen and I are home from Bible college getting ready to go back and we went up to see my grandparents before I left and, and uh, he just, you know, I just loved my granddad. He was so wonderful, just a simple man and he reached around and he got that that coffee can with all those 50 cent pieces and he reached in took a big handful and then he reached in and got another big handful and he gave it to Karen and I he said you're going to need some bread and milk when you get back to Pensacola I said I said I called him Papa Papa you know that's I don't I don't want your money he said I want you to have this money he took that which meant so much to him to give to someone that meant more to him. And when you give to the Lord, it's that, it's that sense that the Lord has changed your life. And you give out of celebration. So stewardship. Stewardship is a privilege. It's an honor. It's what we do because we love Jesus. That's why we give. That's why we give. There's different ways to give, and you know online the kiosks, give on, uh, you can give you know, through the mail, however you give. But let's lift our hands to the Lord as we look at ourselves as growing as churches, growing not just numerically, but growing spiritually uh, as we come to this new step of faith where we learn to give. Father God, we thank you that the wind is in our sails, that you are blessing your people, that we're like Isaac as we give the Lord... Uh, you multiply us more than we can ever imagine. We pray that you'll prosper and bless this church, bless the businesses in this church, bless the families in this church, bless the companies in this church, bless our investments, bless 
our rentals, our purchases, bless everything we own. We give those things to you because we are merely stewards of your goodness to us. And we ask you to bless us this week as we go out to serve you in our community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.